In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, Amy... This we can just uh, dive right in, I think, uh, with my opening question today, which is, what do you know about facial <laughs> transplants? Whoa. Oh, that was, I, <laughs> nothing is the answer. I mean, I know what I learned from this movie. Um, I thought you were going to ask, like, if I was offered something like a facial transplant, would I do it? Um, um, well, to let- my knowledge, though. Go ahead. Uh, the, oh, I have there is- I have Googled facial transplant, so I can answer okay. any question that you want. <laughs> okay. I am not an expert, but I, to my knowledge, there has been like one, maybe two, like actual facial transplants that have happened successfully. Uh, there's more than that from okay. what okay. I can see on the internet. There is more than that, but okay. it is very but, but rare. The re- yeah, super rare. The reason for them is not at all what this movie supposes. No, <laughs> um, no, no it's no, no. people who are gravely injured or something, yes. and need a facial transplant. I would assume from somebody's face who has perished, they're not. Yes, <laughs> just an alive person. <laughs> yes, that is their correct. face off of. Yeah. Um, so. Don't so look at the of images of this, by I'm the way. I'm not going to. I'm not going it to. It is really also, quite disturbing. And also what I also know of facial transplants in real life versus kind of what we see in this movie we're talking about is it's not seamless. If you No. Know, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like I die and I my face gets d- donated to science and someone uses my face for a facial transplant that that person is going to just immediately look like me no um, it is that's actually one of the main things that it can be uh disturbing for the person who receives the facial transplant because i'm sure but because the thing is they're still like you're getting you're not getting again don't know this for sure but you're not receiving like all of the muscles, all of the skeletal, all of the skeletal, whatever you're literally receiving the skin, no? Or like what? You're getting. I think you have to hold on a second. Because um, you can't, let's look can't at Johns just... Hopkins Medicine's description of a facial transplant. Um, <laughs> People are gonna be like, "What is happening?" Okay, okay. So a face transplant is a complex procedure and involves colon. A rigorous screening process, detailed yep. surgical preparation, 16 hours or more of surgery, nerve regeneration, 
physical therapy and immunosuppressive medications taken for the rest of the patient's life. Yeah. Because uh, what if you reject it? It's like any right. other transplant. Where- right. Right. Since 2021, more than 45 patients have received full or partial facial transplants at institutions around the world. So this is super How many did you new. say? 45 in the past Since year. when? Sorry. Since oh, 2021. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, oh, so, I'm a little surprised at that number even, but that's but it is still low. Um, so, okay. To be a candidate, you have to be between 18 and 60 years old. You have to have experienced facial trauma or disfigurement. Um, mm-hmm. No history of HIV or hepatitis C. Be able to take the immunosuppressive drugs. Um, have no history of cancer for the last five years. Um, and be willing to forego pregnancy for at least one year. Wow. Okay, that's intense. Um, but you know, it's that's it is a drastic, drastic surgery. Oh, okay. So, so this is also super important. So, okay. um, the so unsurprisingly, because your face moves around a lot and is really like an essential <laughs> oh component to the rest of your body. Um, yeah. The main apparently the main issue at play here is nerve regeneration. So having the nerves from your muscles connect to the face yeah. that is on to Right, like if you smiled, like would it like, would it be like only like at muscle level and then you have to like get your, the skin of the, ooh, it's like very weird. So it's, I, it sounds like the recovery process is super long. Um, I would think. And ooh, interesting. Face donation is not included in the commonly used driver's license organ donation. Um, That's not surprising. (laughs) Face donation involves a special and sensitive consent process with donor families. Um, Oh, I'm sure. And also I would think they would probably, again, you know, only certain people can receive this. Right. Well, because it says... I would bet bet that to give your face, it would have to be very specific too. Right. Unlike with other types of organ transplants... You need the matching blood type and kind of immunological parameters is what they're saying here. But it matching also... blood type, that's ding, ding, ding. That's an that, interesting one. Indeed, blood that, type. we didn't see that in this film. Um, nope. And then, of course, it says emphasis on matching skin color, skin tone, gender, ethnicity, race, and the size of the face and head. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I'm hearing is <laughs> you can't just slice off somebody's face correct and slap it onto another and even if you could do that even if that were as simple as it took what is also clear is that like the face that goes on to your face doesn't still look like the person that it was right in its life cuz now it's on to right. your face like right Exactly. And I, and I know that this movie like tries to like wibble a little bit around that by like pretending there's some like musculature like thing like. Yeah, they say some words that suggest they're a good candidate. I guess that's really all it is. They say some words. It is really, it is, and everybody knows it, that this movie is like the science. Not really. Yeah. It's like you say science quietly and then you say fiction real loud. Like yeah. it's <laughs> it's not everybody knows that. But it is still I feel like there the funny thing well, we'll get there, but it seems like they could have even done a different 
like sci-fi scenario to get the same results that this movie like had. Brain switching. Brain switching brain seems switching. easier. Seems like it. Brain switching or even like a full like Freaky Friday body switch. Like yeah. what if I guess maybe that it's brain switching. Like a like, consciousness you know, switch. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, because as we'll no. see, like one of the reasons I like watching this movie again, I was like, oh, it's not just the face transplant that Yeah, no, is, they act like they do a full body stuff. There's there's also other stuff in the movie that is science fiction-y in the context of, like, the computer stuff that they're doing. Um, oh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, it's not just science fiction because of this weird thing. It's actually there's kind of a bit more than I remembered. Um, so we can mm-hmm. talk about that as that uh, transpires. But, I mean, I think, hello, everyone. Welcome to See You <laughs> Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister Amy Walsh. And I have to assume that you have worked out, dear listener, what we are talking about this week. But just in case you haven't, Amy, what are we going to be talking about this week as a part of, or like I guess I should say the start of our summer uh, sci-fi movie blockbuster series? Mm. Well, we are talking about something that I, again, I would call this a pretty classic. I do think it is... um, is sort of a cultural touchstone type of movie, even mm-hmm. as crazy as it, as it is. Absolutely. Um, but it is the 1997 face-off starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. And it's Travolta as Cage and Cage as Travolta, <laughs> as we will get to shortly. Yeah, um, which is, I enjoy their imitations of each other. I'm not going to lie. Yes. Like, like that part of it, that's fun. Good. Yeah. That <laughs> and is fun. That's truly the fun of the body swap movie. Like that yeah, totally. is always the fun thing. And like it's always fun to do that kind of mental exercise of like, oh yeah, that isn't really Travolta doing Travolta. That's Travolta doing Cage. You know, like Yeah. Um yeah. and so that's always and fun. It is. It is. And then especially in this movie, like both of the characters are kind of nuts. You know, I mean, like, yeah, definitely. And, like, Nick Cage is, like, peak Nick Cage, so... um, This actually, we'll talk about it. This starts him kind of on the journey to what he has become in the 2020s. He is is so interesting, and I know we'll talk about, like, the cast and everything, but he is an interesting dude. Like, I've always been like, how did he continue getting jobs in Hollywood? Like, he is insane but I think I I think he's kind of the more I've seen him in recently I feel like he's sort of like in on the joke about himself oh for Um, sure for sure and that makes me appreciate him more and like I feel like this I was talking about this with a friend recently if someone is totally erratic all the time and is consistent in their being erratic you can mm-hmm. actually start to manage that because you're like, we yeah, it's know. it's no longer erratic, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a whole plan set up for when Nick doesn't show up on set one day. We are re- uh-huh. That doesn't matter even at all. In fact, we're prepared for him to not show up for three days in a row without any awareness of where he's gone or what's happening. We can do, we're prepared. That's true. You know, like. Although um, I kind of see him as being, like, professional, if that makes well, sense. Well, right, like, yeah. But, taking things seriously. Yeah, I think that's also right. But, you know, like, 
he's not, we've never heard about him the kind of stuff that we've heard about other like dipshits like Jared Leto or James Franco, where it's like they're so connected to their method acting that they're leaving like dead rats and coworkers like coffee cups, you know, like stuff oh, like God. that. I've actually not heard those stories about either of those guys, but yeah, no, I've, I feel like everything I've heard about him, though I can't like pick out a specific story, um, it seems like people kind of like him. Like he's not yeah. like, yeah, he's, he's eccentric and yeah, it's like a little, maybe a little wild working with him, but, um, it's not, I'm sure there are worse people like 100% yeah. hands and down. You're I'm probably sure. right that like, there may be a distinction between his professional and his personal life, you know, like yeah, that at work, it's like one thing, but, um, his, like, I don't see him having a super organized personal life Um, no that's true but again and even in that regard I'm like but when you're around people who just are always like the equivalent of the Tasmanian devil after a while (laughs) you as the other person if you want to maintain that friendship are like yeah I I have developed accommodations for this and and it doesn't yeah bother me because this person will always be like this (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think there's there's room for people like that in the world. Like, yeah. you know, uh, and we need, <laughs> we need entertainment. So sometimes yes. they're better entertaining type people or they're, you know, people who are loose cannons are like more fun, but also like it's a little too much all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's, this movie is absolutely wild. And I have a lot of, um, a lot of stuff to say, but I don't think it's, I don't know that it's anything new that people haven't said about this movie. Well, you know, this is also one of those movies, I think, where, like, each person's viewing of it is its own snowflake of uniqueness. <laughs> like, each are, person there, there interacts are, with it in a different way. <laughs> that's true. And there are, that's very true, because, like, for example, I think probably a lot of people's favorite part of this movie is the boat chases, the airplane chases, yes. the shootouts, the all that. Not my favorite part. That's not my favorite part. I actually, no. those parts, I kind of tune out a little bit. Yeah. Because they all end the same, and it's like, yeah. okay. We're, we've um, discussed on this before that you and I find action weirdly boring most of the time. It's very boring. So. And well, it's also just like, I, I mean, not that this movie is like based in like deep reality, but it's also like very fake. Um, So it's like, <laughs> well, I don't, need, I don't need this like blowing up. But I could tell also that like, the director, whoever producers, they just wanted to blow a bunch of shit up in this movie. Right. It's like, okay, fine. Oh, for sure. Um, Absolutely. And we should, we will talk a bit about John Woo because um, okay. that's like the director of this movie and he, his fingerprints are all over how this movie looks. And that's part yeah. of what and the I've heard- appeal of this movie is. Yeah. But like, so like my favorite parts are the are the crazy like, uh, interactions and like yeah. seeing them act as each other and stuff. I have some not part, the parts I do not like where he's yeah, like I, talking with yeah. the daughter. Like yeah. I do not like that. Yeah. Also agreed. So we'll get there. Um, so let's start For with multiple the I- reasons because she's in, sorry. <laughs> I will get there. I know it's not. We'll get there. Okay. 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 Um, so the IMDB description of face off is, to foil a terrorist plot, 
an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery to assume the identity of the criminal mastermind who murdered his only son. But the criminal wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge. Now, technically, that is all this movie is. Right. Um, which, uh, as we were talking about before we started recording, because I got a little backed up this week, I didn't get a chance to write the full outline as usual, so I just have my mm-hmm. handwritten notes. And it is true, like, for, for a movie that's as long as this is, which I think it's over two hours long. Or, it is. It's right? long. Yeah, um, it is. The amount of writing that I have is not correspondent to what I would expect for that amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. Because the story is extreme. There is no kind of like B story or like other things happening. It is just this mm-hmm. one story. Um, I think also interesting to say is that this movie actually started out as what is known as a spec script. So speculation, that's a short shortening of the word speculation. And um, I kind of thought I knew what that was, but I double checked just to make sure. And basically spec scripts are scripts that people write um, without being paid. Um, so, and oh. typically what a spec script is meant to do, its function is to be good enough to get some sort of representation, like an agent or a manager, or get interest from a studio. The general point is not necessarily for that movie to get made. Hmm. Wait, what? It's just to get interest from a studio? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, like, for, like, oh, this is my writing, like, like right. me, but like, not particularly this. Yeah, like, here's here's kind of my talents. Here's what I'm capable of Weird. doing. Um, and but they don't actually want you to make this? That is bizarre. Well, it, I mean, how it sounds, it is a strange kind of concept. But it is, it's mainly like, I want to be a screenwriter, but lots of people say that. So I have to actually yeah. show that I can do that. So here is the proof that I'm not just some dipshit off the street with an interesting idea. I have the interesting idea, plus I've actually executed something. Um, mm-hmm. And spec scripts do get purchased by studios. And typically the feeling is with them is that like if a studio buys your spec script, there, there's a possibility that that movie will get made. But typically there's going to be a lot of retooling whatever mm-hmm. the original thing is because everybody knows that these scripts are not really about getting going from script to movie and then someone read this script and said no we're making this apparently in this case that was the feeling in the room um whoa and also interesting unsurprisingly there are People have thought about like who other actors might be who could be yeah, I love put that. into these roles. And apparently yeah. the original plan was to have uh, Sly Stallone and Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger as the pair. I could see that. I could see that too because, again, we have to, because of this vague acceptance that facial transplants require a similar kind of frame. Um, yeah. They were like, oh, we can have these two big action guys, like, Physically big and also metaphorically big action guys. I think that would have been an interesting movie to see. Um, It would have been. I feel like 
I'm trying to think if I believe either of them as those characters, though. I mean, well, I, I, I assume the Sly would be Nick Cage and that. Yeah, that kind of no, that's but, what I was gonna say too. Is I picture Schwarzenegger being the Family Man one. Yeah, um, I can yeah, see totally. him. And then pretend like he, but he's Sly Stallone. But he gets to be being, the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see him doing that and fitting into that really well. I think almost the thing that I would worry about is like, I'm not sure Sly Stallone is emotive enough to pretend to be a crazy criminal man. Well, yeah, I don't think either of them are like, if I'm being honest, like fun enough for this. Like, like... Uh, Schwarzenegger is fun, but like, but he, is he a has his ability. Yeah, he has an ability to like make. He certainly can take the piss out of himself for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but there is something about yeah. like Nick Cage and Travolta that is like they're both kind of over the top in right. different ways. Right. So yeah, yeah. I think these two, while like physically, maybe they look a little bit more like interesting, I guess, or more muscly if that's what you want like they acting wise I feel like it would have been a little blander yeah um and I also was just now thinking I'm I'm what if you could like remake this as like with two uh because there's a sequel in development now um, no way really yeah I don't I have no, oh, no. more information other than that it exists oh, I don't no. know um but like if we could 25 make it with, years later <laughs> I know like uh if it were two women, for example, like I could see that. I would love that. Who do we, do you have an idea of like who oh. it could be? Because like, would we have it mm. be like an action pairing? Like two ladies oh, well, see, of action? I don't, I don't think so because, well, I mean, it's like, do we have two hot ladies or two like funny ladies almost too? Because it's, well, and, and not that they can't be both, but I like. I know, because I feel like there are plenty of women who can play crazy but yeah. I I don't like part of it is that the personalities of John Travolta and Nick Cage are crazy on are like different. that's that's their whole thing on their in own personal life like is like yeah that. I'm for some reason I'm getting like a weird this is gonna be maybe a little strange but like for some reason <laughs> I'm getting like a Melissa McCarthy A.D. Bryant vibe I feel like that could be, could fun. be it was, extremely interesting. <laughs> it's very it's very very different and much more maybe it would be a lot lighter it's more com- com- oh it would have to be it would have to be um um i don't know I why was they thinking kind of, if I, you wanted to kind of channel some crazy um there's also like margot roby the way she plays harley ooh. quinn could maybe mm-hmm. be somebody maybe with like a a Rooney Mara. Oh, okay. Because she played, didn't she play Girl with a Dragon Tattoo? Yeah. But I also would I enjoy if you did somebody like um, various women who have been in the Fast and Furious movies could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I just thought of, and even though you said you didn't like him, I just thought of like physically wise two men. Um would be like a Joaquin Phoenix and a Jared Leto because they're both oh. a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, and they've both played the Joker too, so there's that yeah. going for them as well. Yeah. Um, like I could almost see like 
maybe even like a Sigourney Weaver. Ooh. Jodie Foster could be fun. Ooh. You know, like that would an be like the Academy Award winning one. Yeah. That would be um, like the, the good actor version of Actually, it. no, no, no. Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton. That, like, to the true oh, interesting. grand dames of old-timey action movies. Wow. See, um, so the, the bottom line is it can be, it's a fun concept. So I see why they went with it. And yeah. They, you know, and, and quite frankly, everybody else went with it, too. Because well, I, looked, I looked this up and... It's got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I yes. looked that up as well. I know that's in yeah. your notes, but like, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it made oodles of cash. It was the number one movie on the weekend that it came out, which was the 27th of wow. June, 1997. Um, wow. And I want to say that's like when Titanic came out. I think Maybe it came out earlier, but it's in like that, that same era. year. Yeah. 97 is so a big, big year for movies. Um, I think so. So, yes, this was like, it shot right to the top. And as you said, it made for like, uh, like we both knew this movie, but never saw it in 1997. Right. But like, we know, I, like, I know what this movie is. <laughs> like, right. Right. Um, and when it came out, it immediately, as I intimated before, made a name for John Woo. Uh, who is the director of the movie. It was his first American um, movie that he was able to direct. Uh, he's a, hmm. I'm pretty sure he's a Chinese director, um, but I want to okay. just double check. Where is John Woo? Yeah, here he is. Um, oh, Hong Kong specifically. Oh, yeah. Um, and we've already, we've actually done a bit of um, kind of touching onto various kind of Hong Kong action movies over the course of this show. So you can see a lot of that here. Um, mm-hmm. And especially what I, I mean, what I enjoyed about the action scenes, even though we're not super action fans here, um, <laughs> is that they were slow. So I could actually mm. see what was happening because um, action movies now, and I know we've talked about this in a previous episode, but I can't remember which one. Action movies now, the cuts are so fast that I'm yes. like, I can't even see. I just see that someone What's happening. is like, someone has a gun and then someone's on the ground and then someone kind of moves their hand and then someone else is on the ground. Like, it's really mm-hmm. hard for me to, to connect. Like, it's as if there are frames missing in the shots mm-hmm. or something for me. And, and there I, probably are. There probably are. They are cutting around stuff and doing a billion takes and. Well, um, certainly sure that, they're... but I also know that it is a generational thing. Like my eyes got trained to watching things at a certain speed that now they can go faster. And like, no matter what I would do, there's only so much that my eyes can see, like because of okay. <laughs> how this goes. Um, I guess so. Yeah, this is, it's actually a funny thing. A music podcast taught me that because it's all, this happens when there's like a, a relatively big jump in a, in technologies in general mm. that like people mm. born after a certain time can like roll with that punch, but people born before it usually just are not capable of hearing all the things or like seeing all the stuff. Um, and it's not really anything to be too upset about but it's just like you're just not gonna see it 
Like it's just not going to work for you no matter what you try and do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in this case to like have, I mean, also there's an incredible amount of slow-mo used at seemingly at random, not just during action scenes. There's like a lot of, yes. I love the, like, I love, there is something about slow-mo in an action scene that's very funny to me because like, I mean, I really loved the shot that like this shot, there are some shots in the action scenes that made me laugh because they were so um, cliche, I guess. Or yeah. Just like, like the dude, like <laughs> jumping sideways with like two guns. Yes. In yes. slow motion. Like I, I just love that. Um, yeah, for sure. It's so classic. Yeah. And that was the thing that at the time people liked kind of the whole like presentation of this. Um, <laughs> And I guess it felt, at the time, it probably didn't feel cliche, but because it tur- this turned into such a kind of watershed moment, it has become cliche now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, just as kind of rounding things out, I'll finish off by saying, because John Woo was a Hong Kong director, this movie then went back kind of out into the world and then came circling back around in a couple interesting ways. Um, it inspired a different Hong Kong action movie by a different guy um, called Infernal Affairs, which then hmm. went on to be inspiration for and and was then adapted into The Departed by Martin Scorsese. Oh. So like... Um, hmm. Face Off is the grandparent of The Departed. Whoa. Uh, which I am sure many people associated with The Departed would not agree with. Um, <laughs> and then uh, finally, this is uh, what is referred to as one of the members of the Holy Trinity of Cage movies. Uh, the other two <laughs> being The Rock and Con Air. Um, and I'm pretty sure The Rock comes out in 96 and Con Air comes out the same year, 97. Um, Mm -hmm. so this really, and that's what I mean. Like, we don't need to talk much about Nick Cage anymore because we have talked about him on a previous podcast. (laughs) Um, but like this, I think is the 96, 97 seems to be the year where his time as a quote unquote serious actor (laughs) comes to an end. And, and then now it's like, he goes into this other realm um, where <laughs> I don't like, honestly, I think he's, he's got done a lot of really interesting like horror movies and other stuff. Um, but yeah, there does seem to be a significant difference between what he's doing before these movies and what he ends up doing after them. Um, and hmm. it may also be, cause I don't know if you know this, he has like a pretty massive um, gambling problem, and in real life, yes. And so he's oh. constantly needing money. Um, or if it's not gambling, he, he just lives well above his means, which is really amazing yeah, to imagine. Just popping in for a quick correction there. We did look up Nick Cage does not have a gambling problem. He, according to sources, has not gambled in 30 years. Um, so he's he works like, you know, he's in a thousand wow. things. Um, well, that new movie, the newest movie of his that where he plays himself looks quite intriguing. I got to be honest. I heard it was pretty good. So I would like to really? see it at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested in that one. Um, so in terms of the other 
members of this cast. We have a character called Sean Archer, who is the kind of primary uh, FBI agent we need to care about here. And that's played by a 43-year-old John Travolta. Um, and I hadn't quite realized how he basically was immediately successful in acting. Mm. Um, how annoying. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't, I mean, he's clearly got like quite a lot of charisma, um, and a very particular, even when he was young, like a very particular look that made him probably stand out. But, um, Mm -hmm. he gets his first role at 16 in a summer stock production of Bye Bye Birdie. Unclear what role he played in that, but if it was um, Conrad Birdie, Birdie. I'm sure it was great. Um, This then transitioned into having his first Broadway uh, role at the age of 18 in Greece. Again, I'm not sure if that's Mm. as Danny Zuko at that time or what. It didn't say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, so like, let's see, by 1975, he's 21 years old. And then he gets uh, his uh, opportunity in Welcome Back, Cotter, uh, Mm. and becomes one of the standouts in that ensemble cast. The following year, so like Welcome Back, Cotter starts in 75. By 76, he is in the TV movie The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Um, (laughs) So he's just going from strength to strength. I've never actually Mm -hmm. seen that movie, but that's another one that like had kind of like a cultural cachet um yeah i because i've heard of it and it's referenced in another movie that i like and it's very weird yeah at least like the little piece i've seen of it also a little bit of a side quest on that the woman who played his mom in that movie they started dating in the process of making that movie she was um now i need to remember the name of that actress um Mm, that's gross see here uh i mean i guess it's not necessarily i mean she was 18 years older than him he was like 23 so she was like 41 or something um she was really beautiful uh she was like a model and like soap actress um what's her Mm. name where is she oh diana highland um never heard of her I think she probably was one of those people that if it were the mid-70s, we would know exactly who she is. Um, Okay. Really beautiful. And then she tragically died of breast cancer. So they started dating in 1976. And by 1977, she had died from breast cancer. Um, Yikes. And there are those who say that that kind of like, like that he never got Messed over that. Yeah. Um, which I get, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like he was quite yes, young and wait that- a second. And then hold on. Cause it did his, then his second, then Callie Preston is his, was his like longtime wife. Not no? right. Right. And she died of breast cancer too. Didn't she? She died of some kind of cancer. I know that. I'm not sure if it was breast cancer or not. It might have been. Because yikes, that's like. Not good. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But aside from that, his career was going great. (laughs) Um, He got the lead role in Saturday Night Fever in 1977. um, The lead role in Greece in 1978. 
the lead role in Urban Cowboy in 1980. So things seemed wow. like they couldn't be going better for him. Um, but somehow, then we get to 1981 and things really dry up for him. Um, hmm. Which seems when kind of When did he get into surprising. Scientology? Did you... Uh, I don't know when he gets into Scientology. It's probably sometime in the 80s would be my guess. Um, yeah. And um, maybe it, maybe it's a matter of like saturation. Maybe somehow people were like, oh, we've seen this guy so much. We don't want to keep hiring him. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, the, the remainder of the 80s is pretty much a dead zone for him. Um, like he mm-hmm. has a handful of things, most of which are music videos. Um, mm. And then he gets the role in Look Who's Talking in 1989. Mm. And even though a lot of people point to Pulp Fiction as the thing that like revived his career, his career starts improving after Look Who's Talking. Like it's already better after that in terms of getting regular roles. I think he's good roles. in that movie. He is. He's really fun and funny. He's fun to watch. Um, I mean, it's oh, a silly I ass actually movie I stuff, wonder if but... that's I wonder if that's when he becomes a Scientologist somewhere there because Kirstie Alley's in that too and they're both Scientologists. So I wonder if one of them was and then like Mm. recruited the other one during that time. I'm so curious. Like, okay, okay, wait, oh, wait, wait. No, well, Travolta has been a member of the church since 1975. Wow. So he probably recruited Kirstie Alley then. Probably. He converted after being given the book Dianetics while filming The Devil's Reign in Durango, Mexico. I don't know what The Devil's Here. Reign is, but... No, no, no. Wow. It's 1975. That means he was young. He would have been um, uh, 21. Wow. That's... Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he does the Look Who's Talking stuff. As I said, that starts bringing him back onto the radar. And by the time he does Pulp Fiction, it's like, we love this guy again. Um, <laughs> and from there, and I had kind of forgotten this about him because I haven't, he has now not really done much in a while, which is fine. Um, yeah. But he actually does serious kind of uh, courtroom drama, like John Grisham style stuff. Like, uh, I, I'm, I don't know why I ever watched this. Maybe just cause it was a different time where people just watched kind of whatever was in a movie theater. Um, but like the general's daughter and some other ones like of that style, mm. um, were mm. there that he did like not thrillers, but like kind of intrigue and mystery types of movies. Yeah. Um, like thriller type of stuff. Well, and also, like, um, what was that other one? There was one where he played a lawyer, and it was, like, based on a true story of, like, water getting poisoned in a small town. You know, like, stuff like that. Um, Aaron Brockovich? Was he in Aaron Brockovich? No, he wasn't in Aaron Brockovich. Is that what Aaron Brockovich um, was about? No, that was, it's like, similar. nuclear waste. Yeah, it's similar, though. Um, and then he also more recently played Robert Shapiro in an American crime story, which I had forgotten he had been in. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he's also got a duet with Miley Cyrus, which I didn't know existed. (laughs) 
then actually, uh, even though I would say he's probably slowing down a bit these days, he does have a couple of movies in post-production now, so we'll be seeing more of him somewhere down the line. Um, and we've already mentioned that he's like a major Scientologist because um, that kind of is important, I think, to his story, but we don't need to dwell yeah, we yeah we don't we don't get into that, but yeah. Next, we have the character's name is Caster Troy, played by a thirty-three-year-old Nicholas Cage. Who again, we don't really need to talk too much about him because we spoke about his career in our jujitsu episode. Um, check it out if you're a new listener and not yet heard that one because <laughs> that's a whole thing unto itself. Um, oh Lord. But also again, when I was doing people's ages, I was like, this is very funny because 33, there's a that 10 is year wild. difference between them. And yep. they, and they talk quite a lot about how their bodies are like of a similar shape and that's how this is going to like totally work. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like if you compared my body from 10 years ago to my body of now, there would be some differences. Hell to the no. <laughs> there would be some differences. I'm not so sure of course. about that, but okay, fine. Yeah, and like and <clears throat> and like meet me in ten years. Like I don't know how I'll feel about like yeah, absolutely. And and that's talking about your own body. Right. Somebody else's body. Like you, it's it's wow. I didn't even think about that. And well, I was also just thinking that um for thirty-three I mean, Nick Cage, it's not that he looks bad, but, like, I guess it's so hard for me to, like, think of people that I see, that I saw as so much older than me. Right. Be younger than me and not, I don't know. Sometimes I will watch a movie again that I haven't seen in a long time and be like, oh, my God, these people look so young. Right. It's creepy because I used to think they looked so adult. But with him, like, he doesn't look 33 to me. He looks older He than does. That. I think, and not that he looks bad. No, it's just like he looks older. I think it's a bit because he, both he and Travolta have a bit of like the widow's peak hairline happening. Yeah. Um, and I think there's also something to be said for, like some people do start looking older than their years early. Like, and he sort of is someone who. That's true. And he's sort of someone who has an older look, and he's kind of that like perma. You know, he's like Gary Oldman. He was like born <laughs> when he was like fifty. Yes. You know, uh, like, he's not full Benjamin Button like Gary Oldman, but uh, he he. <laughs> I would say Nick but Cage he's always has looked kind of mature. Nick Cage has looked forty five since he was twenty two, and totally. only just now is starting to look like he might be his a little age. older, like. Um, totally because like if i've i've not seen moonstruck but i've seen i've like, seen it. from Ugh. it he does it's not he, i know people i well anyway i've heard that it's good i've also heard it's bad anyway but i've seen stills from it and he's how old in that pretty young i think in, that. in his 20s yeah. he's in his 20s in that he does not look it he looks 40 yeah yeah <laughs> um so actually i'm gonna jump then to another character because this will continue in the same vein okay um then there is pollux troy who is played by 25-year-old Alessandro Nivola. Now, this is the whole thing. They're called Castor and Pollux. Do you know what Castor and Pollux is in reference to? Uh, um, Pollux, the artist? I don't know Castor, if that's an artist. No, this is in reference. My clue to you is it has to do with the Zodiac. Oh. 
Aster and Pollock. I should know that, but I don't. You re- is that, are those like constellations? Yes. And you really should oh, know it because it's related to my sign of the Zodiac. Oh, or that's the Gemini. Yes. Is that, do the Gemini, I didn't know those, ha- wait, hold on. Do the Gemini twins have names? Yes. Like that? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. The story of what makes the constellation Gemini is about a set of twins called Castor and Pollock. Um, I did not know And so the stars in that system, uh, the main stars are called Castor and Pollock. I did not know that. Yeah. These dudes were supposed to be twins? I don't think I caught that either. That's the whole (laughs) thing, though, is... Alessandro Nivola is eight years younger than Nick Cage. And yeah. I suppose a person could say, well, we don't know for a fact they're twins. We just know that they're brothers. And to that, I would say, but you don't name brothers, just brothers, Castor and Pollux. names. Castor and Pollux are yeah, twins. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's the, because they act like they're so close. Right. But also at the same time, and I obviously there's such thing as fraternal twins. You don't have to be identical, but they don't read as twins. No, I mean, and it's to me the problem is not that they are not identical twins. I'm like twins don't. Yeah. The problem is that this guy is eight years younger than this other guy, and you're trying to sell me that they're twins. Um, and they, yeah. And in fact, and they very like, clearly also have like an older, younger sibling vibe. Yeah. I think was like more my thing. That it it wasn't even, I guess I don't know a lot of like adult twins and like what their vibes are together, but like, yeah, they it just was very much like older younger yes, sibling is what I did. got from their relationship. So I don't know who thought somewhere somebody thought it was like a great idea to be like we've got these two brothers we're calling them Castor and Pollock, and I'm like, did you not know <laughs> the actual story about that though? Like, but you know which what? is possible. I mean if. That is possible because I didn't know it. But also, with the rest of the stuff that happens in this movie, I have a slight suspicion they might have been like, we'll overlook it. Oh, certainly. (laughs) Um, So what I didn't know, though, is like Alessandro Nivola, I didn't really recognize him from anything. Um, This was quite early in his career. It was only his fifth credit. But he's going to be in a bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff coming up soon, including something that I am kind of intrigued to learn about called the Boston Strangler. Um, Hmm. So that would be interesting to see if he plays like Albert Salvo or somebody. Um, But perhaps more (laughs) to the point is that he is married to Emily Mortimer, uh, who we've seen in a number of things. Like the thing I immediately remembered her from was when she played um, Jack's, very delicate boned girlfriend in 30 rock. Uh, but she's been in other what? stuff as well. I know the name. I have to look at her face. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Next we have a character named Eve Archer. So this is Sean Archer's wife played by a 41 year old Joan Allen. Um, uh-huh. She's interesting because I definitely recognized her when I saw her, but I was like, I, I, oh, yeah. I can't pick from where. Like, I couldn't tell you, know you from what. Because I feel like she plays the mom a lot. She, I like, think you know so. I mean? Like, I think yeah. she get, 
I think probably earlier in her career, maybe stuff that we didn't see, she got to play like more fun stuff. But I feel like in a lot of like our, like Pleasantville, she probably plays the mom. She does. The Notebook, I know she plays the mom. Yeah. Uh, the Crucible, I don't know. But um, she plays the mom. Yeah. And she plays kind of a, her look lends itself to, at least I know from The Notebook, she plays kind of like an uptight Southern mom. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't, also, I was thinking when I was watching this and, um, other like thinking about other things she has a very unusual look like uh yeah I would believe her like she should be cast in a movie where she's like an alien queen Ooh, it's like (laughs) secretly kind of like shots fired but I can see like secretly laying eggs in a big hole somewhere you know like whoa um she's just got a very like kind of um yeah, just very unusual. Like, well, she's got very big features. Her eyes are quite big, and her but um, like her cheekbones are quite broad. Like, but then she's very thin. Like, um, and she's got a very circular face. Yeah, uh, not bad. You no, know, I, I see unusual. what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. But so, I what I didn't know about her uh, is that she's won a Tony. Uh, I think hmm. for acting. Um, she's been nominated for an Oscar a couple of times over the course of her career. Hmm. And this isn't even her first Nick Cage movie. She was in a movie called Peggy Sue Got Married, which had Nick Cage um, in his early days. Hmm. Um, but it looks like she maybe is moving toward retirement as well, which is fair enough because by now, like this movie is 25 years old and she was 41 then. So probably it's fine. Oh yeah, fine. Totally. Uh, to slow down. Take the money and run, I know. Though, That's what I say. Because only, like, since 2015, she's only had a couple things uh, in terms of credits mm-hmm. happening. Um, mm-hmm. Next, we, I mean, then we're getting down into the real third-tier characters to such a degree that I'm like, I don't even know if we need to say anything about these people. Um, but we have a character called Sasha Hassler. I don't think we've ever even heard her name said in the film. Like... At all. I would not have known. Um, yeah. But that's played by a 35-year-old Gina Gershon, um, mm-hmm. who in every role I've ever seen her, I'm just like, what a smoke show this woman is. Like, uh, <laughs> so sultry, so vaguely menacing at the same time. Um, really brings a yeah, lot should, to her roles, I would say. Speaking of someone who, yeah, speaking of someone who should play like, uh, well, I guess we weren't speaking of this, but it, we made me think of it when you said Harley Quinn, but like some type of uh, Avengers character or, yeah. um, you know, uh, super, what the fuck are, um, superhero. No, <laughs> she like is in this shootout where she's in it. She's got the, there's a part where we see her like with a big gun, like going nuts. And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, she, she fits this. <laughs> like this is absolutely <laughs> her milieu, if you will. Um, what I didn't know is, so she started out at Emerson College, and this is just for you. She did the play Runaways while there at one time. Really? Indeed. Oh, I love that. Um, and then she transferred to NYU and ultimately graduated from the Tisch School of Performing Arts. Um. Of course. And then, uh, this is like a direct quote from IMDb, which I just thought was extremely funny. Uh, it says Gershon solidified her claim on second tier stardom, playing the calculating calculating lesbian Corky 
in the crime movie Bound from 1995. Um, and I guess... If that was that was on IMDb. Yeah. I just liked that it was like solidified her claim on second tier stardom. Like something about that. I that was would like, piss me woof. off. <laughs> that's really woof. That I would be pissed. I'd be like, that's rude, you piece of shit, whoever wrote that about me. That is rude. You don't have to say that. You could just say solidified her claim to fame. Right. Like, that's all you do. You don't right. have to say any of that. Second tier. She's in a fucking movie. What movie are you in, writer of IMDb? I think it's fair to say that if you are writing the bios for people on IMDb, you are not famous <laughs> at all. Yeah. So you are the opposite so chill out. of that. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, that's rude. So second tier. First of all, what is that even? What? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not wrong, but it's rude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as well, she's... At the moment, she's standing at 153 credits on IMDb, so she's been in a bajillion things. Um, yeah, so F off, IMDb writer. <laughs> yeah, like some of the earlier things, um, She, I don't remember this because in part it's been a long time since I've watched this movie, but she was in the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise. I think she even hmm. got to make out with him in some capacity in that movie. Um, Yuck. Yeah, he's not necessarily my cup of tea, but... I think making out with well, 80s... speaking of Scientology. <laughs> also true. Um, but I think 80s Tom Cruise probably would have been more fun to make out I... with than this era Tom Cruise, is my feeling. Because he, was, he wasn't even a Scientologist back then. So it would have been safe. Okay, fair enough. Um, All right. She, this also makes total sense to me. She did a couple episodes of Melrose Place. She seems like she yes, would be a, I could the see right that. type of actor for that. Um, she probably played a bitch on that show is my guess. Oh, she plays a bitch on almost everything she ever does. That I know. But I know. But especially on that show, I feel like all the girls who weren't blonde. I mean, oh, I think yes. all the ones who were blonde oh, were yes. bitchy too. But I feel like if you weren't blonde, you were You had to. Guy. Yeah. In the olden days yeah. of the how TV and movies worked, if you were not white, you probably weren't in the TV or movie. Um <laughs> Part one. Yikes. Uh, Yikes. And if yeah. you were, you were like quirky best friend material at best. Um, yep. And then if you were blonde and a woman, you were the hero. And if you were brunette and a woman, you were the bitch. And there were no other options yep. available to you. And if you were a redhead and a woman, you were fucking crazy. Um, yep. A hundred percent. And you would literally. And if you had curly hair. Yes. You were oh, if you were no redhead, curly hair. Do you remember that woman from 90210? What was her name? I knew you were going to say that. She was also I, in Starship Troopers that we talked about. That actress. Yeah. I love her. I love that actress. Yeah. I don't know what her I name swear is, to God. Like, didn't she actually set fire to something in, <laughs> in 90210? Like. No. Was she actually crazy? I thought she was just, like, older, and it was, like, I don't remember her being crazy. I can't really. remember, but I swear to God. I can't remember. I feel like I've seen Maybe. a redhead in a show like that from the 90s, and her whole thing was, like, literally burning stuff to the ground. And I was like, this <laughs> feels a it. bit on the nose to me. <laughs> like, I believe that. Um, But what really set Gina Gershon into whatever tier of stardom you want to say, uh, was the little film called Showgirls, um, in which she appeared mostly nude most of the time she was on screen. Um, and I have seen this movie semi-recently, Showgirls, that is, and it is nuts. Uh, but that was what kind of 
put her on the radar to some degree. Um, Mm. And then more recently, she plays the mom of Jughead in the the Riverdale kind of uh, series. And she's got quite a few things coming down the pipeline. So second tier or not, Gina Gershon is doing fine. So... Yeah, good for her. Um, The final person uh, that we need to sort of discuss is Jamie Archer, played by a 17-year-old Dominique Swain. Um, Now, this, the experiences of this character are concerning from top to bottom. I 100% agree. I... I found it disturbing in a lot of ways. Yes, and we will talk about them as we get there. But I think what is yeah. an interesting piece of context to add to these considerations is that the very first role that Dominique Swain ever had was playing Lolita in the movie of the same name, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Woof city. Now, I like. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what all of that means. Uh, do you know Lolita, the, the story of Lolita? She's like a child prostitute, question mark? No, she's not a child prostitute. It's, uh, so it's first, it's a book, um, a novel by Alexander Nabokov. Correction, the book is by Vladimir Nabokov. Um, okay. And it's about how this man, the main character is called Humbert Humbert. And he moves in. Humbert, Humbert. Yeah, we can't even stop on that. We've got to keep going. Okay, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> so he moves in to. I think it's set in. It's like set in some weird time where like he's a lodger in this house where it's a mother okay. and daughter, and that's why they need a lodger is because you know it's okay. the fifties and women can't make money yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so he moves into this home. And Lolita... Oh, no. Yeah, she's like 12 or something when he first meets her. And then things are very creepy. And then he ultimately marries her mother to remain close to her. Um, Oh, no. It's all very yuck. Um, okay. And, and what's Kubrick's background? Is he creepy? Is you he know what? I was confusing him with... Uh, Roman Polanski. So less okay, concerning okay, okay. on that score. Okay. Just a quick correction there. The 1997 Lolita was directed by Adrian Lin, who we do not believe has any background in inappropriate behavior with children. But still, but the story of Lolita is Yeah, and gotcha. it means that to do it, even if you're doing it in a way where, because like people talk about Lolita as this like famous, excellent piece of literature it is famous, and I guess it's pretty good. I know I read it at some point in high school or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, like, the art of it often gets put forward to explain away the creepy grooming and pedophilia yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and the movie is similar, and at the time, I think... Dominique Swain would have only been 14 or 15 when she was filming these mm-hmm. scenes. And it's with Jeremy Irons as Humbert Humbert. Ew. Um, and I'm just like, you know, even in 
a, an environment where you're trying to be super cautious and like, how can we do this without traumatizing this young teen actor? Like you, the answer, the answer is the answer is you kind of can. Yeah. Like that's that's where Hollywood. I mean, we don't need to. We will not get into it. But like that's where Hollywood's like, you know. And you certainly couldn't do it in 1995. Like maybe now someone would try and do something to like help somebody. Absolutely. Like, now I don't. Well, yeah, and now they actually do have obviously on set like, you know safeguards and who, maybe they wouldn't even do it let's be real i don't like think there would, would be too many i don't think so either and that's the you know it's the stuff we've learned and grown from and everything but you know there's, there's a lot of shady shit happening and i mean and still obviously but with young people in hollywood it's yeah they were traumatized yeah. a lot of them let's be real so and this is weirder still so i feel bad for her yeah, now this is weirder still this woman sounds like she was maybe really not the right choice for that because when she got the notification that she had gotten the lead role in Lolita this is also from the IMDb bio she the first person she told was her imaginary friend named Rosalinda now this is a what? this is a person who at 14 or 15 apparently still has an imaginary friend which to oh, no. me says this person should not be doing this role because they are clearly psychologically unbalanced. Not okay. Like, not okay. Um, like just, just, or and not, or not in a state of mind to like consent to things. Right. Even. Oh, I sorry, I misspoke. So yikes. this movie comes out the same. So Lolita comes out the same year as Face Off. So maybe she was like. 15, 16. A little older. But still, but still. not good. Um, I think at this, I think wow. if we were to do this movie now, which again, I'm not sure that anybody would even try. But if they were to try, I think what they would be well advised to do is not even get someone who's 18 to play the role of Lolita, but get someone who's uh-huh. like 20 and just try and make them yeah, up to look young. Like a hundred, a hundred percent. Because let's be real. How many high school movies do we watch where the cast is clearly 25 years old true so why in like another type of movie do we have to be like oh no no it has to be authentic right exactly you know like and there's plenty of 20 year olds i see them every day where i'm like are you even 13 years old like you know absolutely i mean like yeah absolutely the thing is like it probably it's funny because i i'm trying to think again with like perspective when I watched shows as a kid being like, oh my God, these people are so old and they probably were 21 playing 15. Now I watch them and 21 and 15 look the same to me. I know it's true. (laughs) It's hard to distinguish. Um, But depending on the person, I guess, but but. let's assume hopefully that everything is fine with Dominique Swain. um, Cause she's still, (sighs) she's still acting. She was in a movie that sounds intriguing to me called Nazis at the center of the earth. Um, yikes. She's also been in a series of TV movies, three Mm. that are called The Wrong Something. So there's The Wrong Roommate, Mm. The Wrong Mommy, The Wrong Teacher. Yikes. Um, Now, I don't know if these are like kind of TV movies in the vein of like uh, Death of a Cheerleader style thing, Mm. or if they're meant Mm -hmm. to be more like wacky, right? Like a Hallmark wacky rom-com style Mm -hmm. thing i'm not totally sure 
But either way, I'm kind of intrigued by whatever this series of mm. movies she's in are. Well, she was on Punked. <laughs> was she really? Okay, that checks out. Yeah. Um, she's also in a movie mm. that I'm sure you would be fascinated to watch called A Husband for Christmas. Um, Love it. And she's got eight things currently like filming or in post-production. So she has... Even though I've not really ever seen her ever again after this movie, seems like she's found a good kind of niche for herself, maybe in the kind of TV movie realm. Um, good for her, hey. Maybe, job. well, and also maybe that's kind of, this is, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. We've talked about people who do TV or who do movies um, or voice work or whatever. But I wonder what the schedule of someone who's straight up is like, I do all of the Hallmark movies, kind of. Like, I wonder what oh, it's, their life I'm is I'm sure like. that's a thing. I'm be- I bet it's fucking great, if I'm honest. Like, Well, because... I don't know. I feel like those probably... I don't know. I feel like the shooting schedule might be quite intense for those types of things. It could be because you're... I guess it depends on what we're talking about because it... If we're talking about, like, the Christmas ones, I think they pump those out in the summer. Right. Like, filming-wise. And then they're ready to go the next season. Um, So, I feel like those might be intense. And then you're also, like, usually, I would, I'm going to assume shooting somewhere where it's hot. Right. And you're having to wear jackets and all that bullshit. But the other stuff, like, the other Hallmark stuff, I don't know. I guess... I mean, maybe you just, maybe you just are like, I will do two of them a year. And what that amounts to is like five to six months of a really intense schedule. And then I don't have to do yeah. anything the rest of the year. I'm curious what Hallmark money is though. Like I'm curious. I would be like, curious about that as well. For sure. Cause it's not going to be the same as like a box office movie. No, cause they're not gonna but make the same you return. might, I imagine if you had. I'm not saying I would turn it down. No, Listen, but I feel like saying. if. I feel like because Hallmark can then, once they make that movie, they can play it any old time that they Forever. want. Oh, you might get a good residual. Yeah. Like some kind of like syndication yeah. money or something, which could yeah, be really good. that's true. Um, and then, that's true. And then I, the listen. more you collect, like the more of them you've done, the more that money yeah. keeps chugging in. Yeah, right? totally. Like, so then you could oh, maybe. And then it's like every Christmas you're like, Drinks on me, yeah. Bitch. <laughs> like because it could be maybe what you do is you like lay the groundwork and you're like, okay, for the first couple years, I'm gonna kind of grind and really do as many of these movies as I can, and then as like each year progresses, you can kind of like take one away and take one away and take mm-hmm. one away, and then mm-hmm. finally you're like, now I only have to do this if I want to. Um, or like maybe I just settle into like doing two a year or one a year and that's all I need to do, um, to kind of. And you like start only doing the Christmas ones and you stop doing the ones where you have to play like, uh, a victim in a basement or something, you know, like, yeah. Cause those ones probably get a little bit harder to shoot just subject matter. Probably. Yeah. Um, so Dominique Swain, we hope you're doing great. And I'm sure your stock You're on your side. I'm sure your stock portfolio is far better than mine. So well done. Um, I'll also just briefly mention that we also have some great character actors who appear briefly in this movie: John Carroll Lynch, CCH Pounder, and Margaret Cho. 
um, are all Margaret Cho thing is amazing. Um, yeah, I kind of thought that was so funny because I had sort of forgotten, but this happens a lot, especially I think when people end up being famous as comics, um, you can pick them out in these early acting roles as like side people because they're kind of just doing anything to like get out there. Yeah. Here's the, here's what I think I might've heard. And I hope that it's not wrong, but it could be wrong. I feel like in another podcast I listened to about this movie, I feel like somebody mentioned that John Woo was a, either a fan of her or like his child was a fan of Margaret Cho. And like she did this movie as a favor because of that. Oh, something. okay. Like something fun. funny. There was like some connection there. Yeah. I like um, that story. I don't know. Um, it's a good story. Not a hundred percent if that's accurate, but I remember some type of connection there. I like it. Let's say that's true. Let's just <laughs> say it's true. Let's go with it. It's um, fun. And I think that to me also, we don't really maybe need to super get bogged down in the quote unquote believability of this movie. Um, but well, we've already we've already like debunked it <laughs> like yeah. in the first couple minutes we talked. But what I will say is, I think part of the reason why this movie hasn't kind of turned into like a complete punchline, um, and instead people are like, "Oh man, you got to watch Face Off." <laughs> <laughs> is because that the the actors are good. Like, you know, like... You totally... Uh, the actors are good. The, produ- the production quality is impeccable. Production value. You know, yeah. like, all that. Yeah. So all of the things, like... Because the story is a story from a real bad B or C Maniacal. Movie. Like... Yeah. Um, but then we give enough kind of, like, oomph to the rest yeah. that we can... It gets elevated. Yeah, that we can continue continue with this as a real, a quote unquote yeah. real movie, <laughs> rather than something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now let us dive into discussing Face Off. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And just I've buckle up, <laughs> buckle up for sure. But also, I don't usually talk about like the poster of any movie, but the poster of this movie. I, like, vividly remember seeing that, like, you know, on billboards or on, you know, like, at the box office of places. On, like, it's a really... It's menacing. Yeah, but it's also, like, a really... some That, too, has somehow... Because I was alive when the promo time for this movie was happening, it's just, like, an image that is kind of, like, burned into my brain. <laughs> and will never go yeah. away or something. Um, so we, so the credits, we like jump into the movie right away. And this was something you were saying. So fast. Um, that was a bit confusing for you because it's like, why are these two characters enemies of each other? Um, and It's pretty jarring. Like what, it just, all of a sudden it seems like we're jumping into like, action sequence and we're, I'm like what yeah I mean I know there's like a little bit at the start but um so we the the cold open is a very um stylized capturing of a scene where John Travolta as Sean Archer is at a carousel in a park with his son um 
or let's hope it's his son, because otherwise he's just a man hanging out with a small child. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think that's a safe assumption. Uh, then, like, the carousel's going around. We're seeing various images coming through. Then we get a close-up on a mustachioed man's lips, who is very kind of, like, erotically drinking a soda out of a straw. Um, and then the camera kind of pans out, and we see that Nick Cage is there, and he's got a sniper rifle. Um, and then this is something I'm pretty positive they mentioned on the episode about Face Off from How Did This Get Made. Then we see something that is a recurring gesture that the Archer family apparently oh. uses. Oh my god. That I just don't understand. It is it is so fucking weird. It is like I every single time they did it, I was like, Now do can you and I and, like what would you call it though, this gesture? How would you describe it? I know, it? I know, I know what they call it. I know what they call it on how did this get made? I'll try to think of something different, but I would call it like a face swipe. I don't know. Like it's um he puts all his fingers like you're like if you were to reach out and put all your fingers on the top of someone's head and then swipe down their face in a some sort of like in a sort of like loving way but like <laughs> it's very weird yeah i was calling it a face wipe in my notes so you and a i face wipe were good. on the same page there what did they call it and how did this get made how did this get made? Uh, they called it a face waterfall. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I I can see that as well. But like, yeah. It, so they so this gesture becomes important, and so weird. I don't know why. Like I don't know if this was something that like Travolta improved and then it became a thing that had to be in. It feels like it. It feels like it to me because I don't, there's, or pop, I mean, I suppose it could have been a direction, but like that is very. Because, or it could have been a direction like, hey man, we need you guys to like, as a family, have a thing that you guys do that no one else does. you would know. Like, yeah, that only you would know, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. And. But like, do, but be like a normal and have it be like a weird handshake or something. Like. I would almost. That is too weird. I would almost even. Do, like, what if you did, like, a funny, like, pull on someone's earlobe? You know, like, I don't know. Sure. That seems sort of like it could be a, Any- a thing people do. I don't know. Absolutely. And it's definitely more normal. Like, on like truly, what would you do if someone to you, I mean, especially in the day, in the day and age now of, like, germs <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> but, like, like, someone takes their hand and puts their fingers on the top of your head and just swipes down i would say what are you wiping on me i would say what like what did you just put on my face i would start blinking immediately (laughs) and also like moving my nose up and down like as if i had an itch and also be doing that thing of like like when you have like yeah, I would say what a the fuck was that? A piece of dust or like a hair on your mouth and you can't like, you're like, puh, 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 how do I get out? <laughs> it's so fucking it weird. I'd be like, really, what are you doing? It really felt very not. I would be like, A, number one, what did you just do? B, number two, never do that to me again. I mean, I guess like I have to assume that there was at least some direction that said, 
you need a special family gesture that is unique to your family. It's like, okay. And also, though, but this is called Face Off. The movie is called Face Off. So the gesture <laughs> has to be, has to be face related. about your face. <laughs> but even, I feel like even ugh, something, this is weird too, I guess. But like, even something as like cute as like a nose boop, I think is better. Yes. And like. It's, forehead it's a kiss. little less invasive forehead kiss anything nose Literally kiss anything. rubbing noses yeah. eskimo butterfly kiss like yeah i don't like any of that but it's all better than like no actually i think this. capturing a butterfly kiss on film might be very difficult to do no i well and i think also it would look very weird. it would look very weird but like um yeah there's there's much that could have been done that I mean, it's amazing, but it's weird as hell. It is extremely weird. So this happens, and then we see that, like, the carousel is coming around. John Travolta's back is to Nick Cage. Um, Mm -hmm. And Travolta gets shot in the shoulder. But what I couldn't... I think what happens is that the, the the bullet goes through him and then hits his kid. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we know the kid dies, though, because th- we see some balloons going up into the air in slow motion, um, like mm-hmm. his soul, of course, you know, going up. Well, that's what happens when kids die. Yeah. And then we get a really, like, you know, t- again, what now seems very cliche, but probably even was back then, where John Travolta is, like, cradling his dead son and you can like mm-hmm. see that he's wailing, but it's all silenty, and that's that's where we start the movie. <sighs> then we get I mean, yikes. Then we get a black screen and a title card that both of us apparently interpreted differently. <laughs> I guess I didn't read it right. It says six years later, but you thought it said six years earlier. I did. And that, and I, and granted, knowing where the movie goes, I was like, that is, that makes no sense. Yeah. But I could have sworn my version had said earlier. (laughs) I mean, that would be interesting if, like, somehow the opening credits happen after what we see happen in this movie. I know. Um, It would be weird. But it would be weird. It doesn't make sense. Forget it. I guess I just read it wrong, but that's like, what I interpreted and I was then therefore made the next like five to 10 minutes a little confusing for me, even though I'd seen this movie before. Fair enough. Um, We start out in the FBI office. Sean Archer, AKA Travolta um, is there. uh, Like, and I guess we're like, we're cutting back and forth between Archer and Caster Troy's worlds. Um, Archer has now, or maybe always was, working for the anti-terrorism team in the FBI. Um, He has become extremely ornery, and that is made clear right away. I think what we're supposed to assume is that this is because his kid is dead, um, and he's never, like, recovered from it, which makes sense. Um, Meanwhile... Caster Troy is having a ball of a time, um, yeah. almost literally, because he's dressed as a priest, a Catholic priest, <laughs> and 
hitting on a woman in a choir that is singing Handel's Messiah. Um, and he like, he grabs her ass, right? And like stands behind it's, her. It's not, it's like not really appropriate. And he's dressed as this priest and she doesn't really stop she him. Seems like, she's not like, dude, what the fuck? into it. I'll be honest. Well, I'll say, I'll say about all the women in, well, not all the women, but kind of all the women in this movie are not as put off by him as they 1 billion percent should be. Well, and there's an implication starting here and carrying throughout the movie that Castor Pollux is like a... Castor Troy? Yes, sorry. (laughs) Castor Troy is like a ladies' man and like... Yeah, and just and speaking of an, another weird thing that like is not normal, um, face palm whatever we called it, swiping down is not normal. Also, just like sticking out your tongue to make another person suck on it. Oh yeah, that whole thing that he's into the tongue sucking. Not cool. Not, not a fan. <laughs> no, 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 not for me. Not for me. Um. <laughs> I am not kink shaming. I'm not even sure if that counts as a kink, but I personally don't want to suck on anyone's tongue. Um, No, and especially like... There's also like a lot of casual butt grabbing that he does of women. And like, I get that this movie is... And just like being in general too close. Yeah, I get that this movie is 25 years old. I appreciate it was a different time. But I feel like even in 1997, we had already gotten to the point where at the very least, everyone knew that ass grabbing, especially in the office, was no longer enjoyed. Inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Um, but yeah, and just in general, sort of like a, a close, he gets very close. And I know that there are times when he's like being Travolta and it's like the person he's getting close to is supposedly his wife, but it's like not really her. Right. I mean, it's him. Right. So it's not re- right. It's so it's there's a creep factor in there. For sure. Um, so but the point is, the reason why we need to see this scene primarily for the purpose of the movie is that we're seeing that Caster Troy has set up a bomb in this like convention mm-hmm. center thing. And that will become mm-hmm. important shortly um Mm -hmm. then we get to the local airport um pollux his brother possible twin we don't know is there (laughs) um waiting for him this is when we get some of the super primo kind of like john woo of it all stuff because troy gets (laughs) out of the car and his big black jacket like blows out behind him (laughs) in a very cinematic way um, and there's this other thing that also gets repeated a number of times throughout the movie that I really fully didn't understand, which was his henchmen then are like, hey, Troy, we're ready. And they bring out this box and they open it up and it's like a box of various, like, apparently things that he loves and it's like weird pills and like his double golden guns and like i i feel like there might have even been a box of like chiclets or something like and i was just like what is this why why is this a thing that needs to be like 
Because they don't ever say anything remember about chiclets? why that box needs to be there. Like, or that he somehow yeah, can't travel I... without it or something. I don't, I don't particularly remember that part, but you just did remind me about chiclets and how <laughs> I could go for a chiclet right now. Well, but the thing is, is like you need to have at least four chiclets to have a human amount of gum in your mouth. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like. I know, but I just like, just there's something about a chiclet that's like. Well, yeah, because it's got mm, that like crunchiness like, to it. But like you're only yeah. getting and you like a couple chews out of it, like yeah. But you, but they were fun at like a a place where these also seem kind of unsanitary now is um like a gumball machine yes, somewhere or for one sure. Of those and you get like a get handful, them and they would have like four or five out. Yeah, <laughs> and they were multicolor. Yeah. 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 Um. Mm. So he he gets this box of travel fun items, I guess that he needs. Um, and then he gives money to these henchmen in a dragon money clip that was gold, like quite something. Then he gets into his private jet. There's a flight attendant there. Um, and this is when we get the fun situation. And I wrote this down because I was like, what even is this pitch? Because he says to the woman, if I let you suck my tongue, would you be grateful? And... I feel like if your thing fuck is that if your thing is having people suck your tongue, then you should be grateful when someone is willing to do it. One billion percent. <laughs> like don't the person like, don't doing stick it your tongue out at me and tell grateful. me you should be for uh, sure. Yes, yes. Like there's just I gotta say like. I know, like, it's good to be confident and it's good <laughs> to love yourself. But, like, <laughs> he's too confident for, like, a not great guy in this movie. And, like, he's not, like, I, I like, he's not that sexy either. Like, he can't, like, I don't no. know. The, the like, kind of, although I will say, I feel like this is kind of a weird sort of, truth about the world is sometimes the men who are the most successful with women are not the most attractive ones like they're the ones who that of course not have somehow <laughs> worked out how to get women and it could be their confidence yes. and it could be their humor it could be yes. like a kind of raw sexual appeal who knows but like they've yeah. they've figured it and out Somehow. Yes. And, and I think what it is, like, absolutely. And I'm not saying you have to be, like, a certain look to obtain a partner. Of course not. But. And usually, him, my experience of the highly, highly attractive man or woman, they usually are actually kind of hopeless at flirting or meeting people because they're like, I don't have to Because they don't do need that. to be good at anything. <laughs> Yeah, of course. They don't have to be good at anything. They just, like, show up. Yeah. And usually it makes them a little bit more vapid, to be honest. Yes. And, like, but the thing here, what I think maybe it is in his case in this movie, or what I'm assuming, is, like, these women that he gets are into this whole bad boy thing. For sure. Oh, yes. Yes. So, 
so I think that's something that I personally like don't really relate to. So I don't get it. But I know that's like a lot of people's thing. Well, and I almost wondered, too, if this is because he actually knows that she's an undercover FBI agent, because as he's getting onto the plane, she's making a phone call that's like he's about to be here. Blah, blah. Oh, and I, so I almost okay. wondered if like he's kind of putting her in this position to have to because she goes down on that tongue like it's the best thing in the world. For that it, that it was weird and it was so she, fast. The minute he stuck it out, she, she was like, "Housed oh, it, ew, lady." She housed it. She was like, "Glomp, I got it." Like, Ugh. um, Ugh. and so I wondered if he was like, "I know you're undercover." But you're trying to keep your cover, so you're gonna do this thing, aren't you? Like, um, I almost wonder if that was the feeling. Um, yeah, because he seems to figure out. Because then he throws her out of the plane, right? And doesn't she <laughs> die? Yeah. Um. Yeah, he like her like <laughs> her um rag doll type of body. He throws out of a plane. Yeah, because then, of course, Archer and his crew descend onto the tarmac as the plane is trying to take off. So we start again, like, you know, we're having our big first action sequence. Um, and it's, it is admittedly an interesting one to watch where, cause it's like a plane is picking up speed, trying to take off. Meanwhile, uh, Archer is in like a Humvee or whatever, driving super fast toward the plane. Like, so it's kind of like, um, uh, a face-off between the plane and truck. Um, right. Then the truck ultimately has to swerve out of the way. Um, so then Archer runs out of the truck and gets into a helicopter, um, which I also then was like, oh, I know John Travolta flies planes. Can he also fly helicopters? Um, he might be able to. And so ultimately, though, what they're able to do is that they they shoot the pilot of the plane, the plane crashes into a hangar. Choi uh, jumps out. This is when we get your thing you mentioned before, the slow motion shooting two guns to the side situation. Um, Classic. We have a bit of a shootout in the hangar. Um, and finally we get the first kind of interaction between Archer and Troy, where they each have guns and they're like, holding them out at each other while circling around each other as though they're dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they both realize that each one of them has only one bullet left. Um, This is when Troy intimates that he has planted a bomb that he says is going to release a plague in LA. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so then there's like a real creepy part that I can't even. Oh my God. Did this movie start COVID? Oh God. I hope not. I think they got that. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, But then Troy asks about Archer's remaining child, his daughter. And he keeps saying, is she ripe? In a very unpleasant way. Um, I didn't remember that. That's gross. And then, like, there is this, like, kind of hesitation. Archer doesn't shoot Troy. What ends up happening is, like, um, he ends up getting kind of, like, pushed by the force of the plane's exhaust into this weird wind tunnel thing um, and then gets knocked 
unconscious. So then he's arrested at this point. Um, hmm. Then we cut to the Archer home where Jamie and Eve, daughter and wife, are fighting with each other. Um, and it's it seems to be because Jamie has, like, a weird outfit on um, that's, like, Kind oh, because she's got like some weird like makeup thing going on too, kind of. Yeah, and like I, it's I wrote down here, it's like a super aggressive goth outfit. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, 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 fair enough. Um, so she like nineteen ninety seven. Let the girl live. I know it's so peak exactly that. Like I've got some <laughs> purple and or black lipstick on, and yeah. like t- way too many barrettes in my hair, and yeah, like pleather pants just leave me alone like yeah um so she storms out of the room and archer tells eve that troy has finally been caught and they like do a face wipe to each other and hug or maybe (laughs) or is it is it that archer does the face wipe to other people do they do it back to him i think that's what it is I think maybe one time at the very end, the daughter does it to oh the little boy. Person. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But other than that, I think it's just him doing it to other people. Gross, <laughs> just it's so fucking weird. Not I can't fun. But so like you're like okay, no. the implication here is that they've had a tough six years, and now that this guy is caught, they can like get on with their lives or something. Yeah. Um. Next, we cut to the FBI office where Archer comes in and we get a really big slow clap for him. Um, (laughs) But then he's in his office and he's kind of like marking everything to do with Caster Troy, like case closed, whatever. Um, And then CCH Pounder comes in. And I don't, I want to see if she's even got a name in this movie or not. Um, Oh, yeah. So she does have a name. I don't think it's ever mentioned. Um, Her name in this movie is Hollis Miller. And I don't remember ever hearing that. I don't think it ever was mentioned. Um, Yeah. And so then she's basically like, see, the thing is, um... We went through Pollux Troy's stuff after we arrested him and we found this. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls out. I mean, I know this is set in 1997, so, you know, whatever. But, like, she pulls out a floppy disk, which is not floppy. It's super hard. <laughs> and like, um, <laughs> She puts it in the computer and then there's, like, this, like, uh, animated sexy woman who's like ha 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 like and um <laughs> it's a bioweapon that apparently has been hidden somewhere in LA and i guess probably like it's not totally clear but it seems like Castor and Pollux Troy are terrorists for hire okay yeah, I wasn't quite sure and, like what their exact deal was. And so I'm not even sure that like I don't think they particularly care about 
LA and like have some vengeance against LA, I think what we're supposed to maybe imagine is either they're just total agents of chaos who just do things to kind of make shit go nuts. Do them. Or that they're paid by other people to do these kinds of terrorist acts. But either way, they... What now has been made apparent is that there is a bioweapon somewhere in L.A. Um, and they've tried to ask Pollux about it, but he won't divulge anything. And so Archer is like, well, let me talk to him. I'll like beat it. Basically, he's like, I'll beat him to such a pulp. He'll tell me what I want. And they're like, no, no, no. We have a much more reasonable idea. Um, <laughs> just hear me out switch your goddamn face right well and in fact what CCH Pounder says is like there's actually another possibility <laughs> oh my god and then we cut to and it's real it's real low key yeah. don't worry about and it and then we cut to the Walsh Institute Um, I love it that it's that I know I'm like where is our cut of the money I know from all of these super high end secret face transplants that you've been doing for a secret long time whereas the medical community at large only thought they were possible in 2021 but we could have been making money on top yeah. of money this whole for 25 time years like what's going on i could have never had a job i am pissed yes <laughs> um so what we discover is that troy caster troy has been taken to this walsh institute and he is in a coma and CCH Pounder is like, so what we want you to do is to take his persona, take his face, um, put it on you, and then um, that then you'll be able to find out from Pollux where this bioweapon is. Will Sean Archer accept this wild proposal from the doctors at the Walsh Institute? Find out next time when we continue our discussion on Face Off. On See You Next Week in Space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.